0: Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
2: And I'm Julie Douglas.
1: And, uh, you know, Julie, popcorn, I've, uh, uh I've really been thinking a lot about advertising recently. Yeah. Um, just in all the ways that it gets inside our head, popcorn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and how the next thing we know, we're just, uh, we're just out there buying the products that these big companies want us to buy, popcorn.
2: Yeah, I've I've heard about this with um the this uh sort of messaging that's subliminal. Um I don't really think it exists. I mean No. Um God, I'm kinda getting hungry. Um but I mean I when I think about it I always think about the 1950s, right?
1: Yes, indeed. Um especially uh, I mean the, the basically the term uh, for subliminal messaging goes back to James Vickery, and he was a yeah, market researcher 1957. Yep. So I you know I'm instantly thinking uh, you know sort of mad men era type of stuff. Right. Um and um
2: somewhere in a room smoking going I got a great idea.
1: Yeah. Though, though, I guess Mad Men's a little later than this, but, uh, in, anyway, he, he was big on the idea of like, let's, let's insert some images into these movies in New Jersey and we'll just, we'll just get right in their brains. The next right. thing you know, they got it, they're gonna have to have, uh, Coca-Cola or even popcorn.
2: That's right. Yep. That's, that's the message, right? Yeah. Popcorn and drink Coca-Cola.
1: Yeah. And they were flashing this up for one three thousandth of a second. So it's just, you know, just flash like, like to the point where, you know, supposedly you wouldn't even register Right. Uh That you saw it, but your brain would know it. And uh, and uh then your brain would demand popcorn and Coke.
2: Of course, this resulted in a whole new era of advertising uh, because people were just nuts about the subliminal advertising.
1: Yeah. And a lot of paranoia, too. Yeah. Because it's the whole idea. It's like you're inserting a random image and you're reprogramming my brain.
2: Right. You're trying to manipulate me and the government's involved and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. And, um, of course, a lot of it turned out to be kind of bunk.
2: Yeah. Well yeah. I mean he actually uh didn't he claim that uh popcorn sales went up by eighteen percent or something like that or fifty seven percent. But this was a lot, yes. Yeah, he
1: said the coke sales went up by eighteen percent and popcorn fifty seven percent. So yeah. it was just According to him, it's just like people aren't even finishing the movie. It just turns into an orgy of popcorn, uh, munching out, out in the, uh, the lobby.
2: Right. People are so excited yeah. about this. And between 1950 and 1970, mm-hmm. it's all the rage until, yep. wah, 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 FCC.
1: Yep. They banned it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you can, you continue to see, um, see, uh, see uses of it and, and alleged uses of it pop up. Uh, there was a, an instance in, uh, uh, like a, a, George W. Bush, uh, campaign, uh, bit that had supposedly had a little bit of subliminal messaging th- thrown right. in there that some people got up in arms over. And, uh, yeah, then there's the whole, uh, um, uh, side tangent of sa- satanic subliminal messaging and, and, the, you know, the paranoia, paranoia over that. Uh, right. Which, uh, I, most of that, I, I was pretty much discussed.
2: I can't remember which political figure this is. I can't believe I can't remember this right now, but it was a big brouhaha because they were filming him mm-hmm. and there was a bookcase behind him, but, it was um, configured in such a way that somehow like the interstices of the bookcase seemed to suggest a cross if you looked at it, oh. which, you know, they said, okay, that's that's just a, a coincidence. That's not really a cross behind me, but it was fascinating. I was like, you know what? That does look like a cross. So yeah, I mean, whether or not it's meant to look like that or people are mean to be uh, inserting subliminal messages is still out there.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, the, the big thing here is that like anytime you're trying to sell a product or an experience or, or even a podcast, even though we don't charge for this thing, you, you're going to level any kind of skill you can you can level to try and, and make people buy it or buy into it. It's it's kind of like the whole argument that like that wars uh, between armies, wars are are won based on accumulating, uh, you know, tiny um you know, relatively insignificant advantages, petty advantages. And if you, uh, if you accumulate enough of these, Mm -hmm. then you can win the battle. And so, you know, obviously market marketers are going to do everything they can, everything from studies to, uh, to throwing in maybe something subliminal, uh, little touches like that. And as we're going to explore in this podcast, uh, you know, different, uh, stimuli to affect our, our sense of smell, our hearing, our sight. And, uh, and then where is this going in the future, right?
2: Yeah. How are we, uh, how are we playing with these new technologies? Yeah. You know, are we actually aiding and abetting advertisers? And that's what we we're thinking of. Like how, what are the different ways that we're being manipulated at this very moment in also submitting ourselves to be manipulated by? And to that end, I want to talk about scent.
1: Yes. Scent is a big one. Uh, I mean, our very sense of taste is like a large percent of it is smell I mean it's right wherever you go smell is gonna play a huge role in what you uh you you uh, you take in we end up a uh, uh, like it's, like I don't know if you ever get this sort of like a not really a deja vu but like a smell memory like suddenly you'll smell something and you'll instantly be able to go back to where you remember smelling that like
2: right right that's actually called the pristine effect. Uh, oh, okay. By Mar- uh, Marcel Proust, I'm sure you know of the author. His novel *Remembrance of Things Past* was the first to explicitly link smell and memory. Ah. So he talked about the emotional power. Um, I think it was Madeleine cakes and um, how that called up his images of his childhood.
1: Yeah, like I'll, like you know, it's like I'll be walking down the street and suddenly I smell inexplicably the um, like like the house that I lived in when I was seven or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it'll be it'll, it'll be the kind of thing where you could never. Like there's, you can't really access this catalog of smells or I can't normally, but then suddenly it's out of the blue and I'm like, Hey, there's the, the link is made.
2: Well, and that's because the odorant patterns are interpreted as different smells in the olfactory bulb, right? Mm-hmm. And because the olfactory bulb is part of your limbic system, which is our emotional center of the brain, smell is closely connected to the am- amygdala. Mm -hmm. and hippocampus, and those are both structures that influence our behavior, our mood, and our memory. So you do have that little storehouse going on there, and it's really effective, right? You know, real estate agents always say to bake cookies or, you know.
1: Yeah, or to spray the fake cookie smell, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: because, you know, that that encourages people to linger more, have those cozy feelings of cookies being cooked. Huh. Yeah, Um, but marketers, of course, have figured this out and they've in a big way right like it's it's a science for them they've looked at how people are responding the best smells like are there universal smells that people respond to well and they figured out all these different ways to employ that in different retail spaces so if you go into a, a let's say a french themed uh, store you might smell hints of lavender which are just trying to Underscore the fact that it's, you're in a French store, I suppose. Or you might go into a home goods store and, and smell chocolate chip cookies. Uh huh. But it's not just making you feel, you know, nice and cuddly inside, right? I mean, there's an effect here.
1: They're buttering you up, right? They are
2: buttering you up because they know that if they pump out those aromas that you're going to spend more money. In fact, there was one study that was um, conducted in a Canadian mall. And they found that there was an increase of over fifty dollars per customer that week, huh. and that's from the author Martin Howard from "We Know What You Want." Huh?
1: Well, I—I was—I uh, forget how I came across this. You know how you end up doing internet searches and you end up getting uh, off course a little, but uh, I found uh, all these threads where people are trying to figure out what the smell was in uh, subway sandwich restaurants. Uh, and people were yeah. like, what is that smell? Or, and then, and, and then I think some people have, have have been reading some of the same material we, we are. And they're, uh, they were like, oh, they're pumping it in. They're, they're brainwashing us with their fake chemical scents. And then somebody, somebody finally, uh, um uh, uh, entered the conversation and was like, well, actually it has something to do with the way they, they bring in like frozen yeast and uh, not frozen yeast, uh, frozen dough. And then they right. have to thaw it before they cook it, um, and, and bake the bread. But, uh, but but it's an interesting There's way of thinking. It's yeah. no, nothing nefarious. I nothing mean, nefarious. Nothing more nefarious than freezing dough. So <laughs> it depends where you fall on that, I guess. So it was
2: like accidental marketing, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but you could imagine like a situation where, say, they changed, uh, say, Subway sandwiches were to change their method, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you didn't have that smell. Like there might be an advantage in figuring out a way to bottle it and pump it in.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I swear that the Gap has its own signature scent because. You know, it's not one that I hang out at the gap a lot, but uh-huh. time that I've bought something from there and I've brought it home, it still has that scent attached to it. And it's a pleasant scent. Yeah. I'm always like, God, oh, that, that gap scent. Or, well,
1: you know, new car smells another big one for people. Yeah. You know, it's like you get, they, you go on that test ride in that car. It smells so new and, and nice. Uh, right. I mean, I mean, I'm not particularly. You know, enraptured by it, but I, I I know many people are.
2: No, you're right. And then, like, you've got your reptilian brain all yeah. excited and thinking, ooh, car.
1: I do request it when I go to, like, the Cactus Car Wash to get the car. You know, they have you all do. the bottles, and they're like, which one do you want? And I'll be like, fresh, uh you know, new car. And they're like, we're out. And then I have to make do with, like, kumquat or something. Strawberry or shortcake. Yeah. And, yeah, something weird. But. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I thought I, I smelled that in your car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it can actually go awry though. Uh, in 2006, California's milk processor board launched a series of got milk billboards in San Francisco bus shelters. So the print ads, um, also featured the scent of chocolate chip cookies. And, and they reasoned that people would smell the chocolate chip uh-huh. cookies and then they want some milk and it would all work fabulously. But people actually complained about it. And I th- <laughs> you know, really? that's, a, yeah, I mean, think about it. That's a situation where you've got incongruent elements going on. You've got the smell of the streets and passersby. maybe they're smoking. And, you know, in, in my own experience, you know, if you're sitting in a bus shelter, it might smell like urine sometimes. So, yeah, well, you know, that's
1: like the um, like Candler Park Marta Station here in Atlanta. It's really yeah. close to a, a um, some sort of industrial baking facility, right?
2: Yeah, actually, it's a, uh, gosh, I can't remember the pie maker, but yes, yeah. Sarah Lee or something Yeah, like so
1: that. it's like, so you're there, and it'll smell either like cakes baking pies yeah. baking or pies baking and like urine it, you know it, it just depends you know or or whatever the 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 bus the, i mean the train terminal uh smells happen to be so yeah you end up with a weird mix there
2: yeah yeah i actually tried to take a tour of that factory but yeah they,
1: they you were arrested maybe yeah i was
2: just gonna say they didn't let me but <laughs> fine yes i was arrested
1: this presentation is brought to you by Intel sponsors of tomorrow
2: um, and then there's music right we already yeah, know music how music can one. manipulate yeah. you. I know.
1: mean we used it at the start of this uh, podcast
2: that's right you know
1: it sort of hopefully gets one in the mood and and, uh, and you know you go to any fine dining establishment you you're generally gonna be you're paying for the the ambiance as much as the food yeah and so a, a huge part of that is the music let's play some music that makes people relax makes them calm down. Makes them feel uh, like, you know, they're somewhere special, like, you know, this, this is the the evening's entertainment.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Muzak, right? You've heard of Muzak. Yes. Which I think most of us associate with Elevator Music. They actually, that's a huge company. And they actually create all sorts of um, different nuanced types of tracks depending on what your retail business is. Mm-hmm. Um and there was actually another study. Uh, again, author Martin Howard had talked about this. That specially designed music loops can keep shoppers in the supermarket for eighteen percent longer.
1: Oh wow! Like the song never ends, so you never leave. I no,
2: know. I think it was just sort of like if you maybe put I don't know, like Enya in the supermarket. Yeah. Like maybe it would just slow down people's actions.
1: I don't know. It, uh, there was a time where that might have kept me going, but
2: yeah, now it would. Would speed things up, I suppose.
1: It's really amazing, though, how many places don't get this concept. Though you'll go into, um, I don't uh, like, uh, so, like sometimes it'll be something like, uh, like a you know the kind of place where you get like your nails done. Yeah. I mean, not that I go to these places a lot, but I have on on a rare occasion been to one, and mm-hmm. they'll, you know, they'll totally have their skill set down, but they won't understand that you should maybe play music that doesn't make you want to strangle yourself.
2: Yeah, 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 and I've actually noted this uh, before in breakfast places. Yeah. Sometimes they have will play extremely loud music, uh, like really bad eighties music, and I think, oh my god, really like, not that I'm hungover, but some of us <laughs> here might be hungover. It's it's not the right choice. So yeah, we know already. We, it, we talked about this a lot too. In that can music rebuild your brain, how music can affect you. Yeah, it, it, mostly uh, positively.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it it leaches in and changes the way you view the world. Right. I mean when. Yeah, it's just, just across the board. Right. So it makes yeah. perfect sense that you would want to to uh, leverage this uh, in a marketing situation.
2: Right. You would want someone's mm-hmm. reward center in the brain, ding, ding, dinging, and releasing dopamine, and you'd be feeling really great, and you might buy more. But another uh, advertising technology that's creeped up in the last couple of years is beaming advertisements into people's ears, which is super creepy. I'm sure you all have heard about it <laughs> before. Uh, but uh, it's called an auditory spotlight.
1: Yeah, and this is—we uh, actually have a really cool uh, article on the on the website by John Fuller about this, uh, and it's it's basically what it sounds like, just sort of just directional, like you're just directing the sound yeah. at a particular area where a person would conceivably be, and uh, and and they're hearing the message, right?
2: Yep, that's right. That's actually a, a tiny beam, just like light, and it's a um, beam from a rooftop speaker.
1: Yeah. Now, so I really don't know that I've encountered this in real life.
2: No, I haven't either. And I wonder if it's just been used in larger cities or mm-hmm. if it was just, you know, 2007, 2008 seemed to be its big years. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the main brouhaha was in New York when A&E was promoting a show called Paranormal State and people would walk by and a woman's voice would say, who's there? Who's there? It's not <laughs> your imagination. And people started to get creeped out, of oh. course. Um, uh, but I don't, I really haven't seen it being used outside of that you know like outside of actually it uh, museums and libraries places where you need it to be quiet and you need this directed sound
1: right and uh, and, and the other thing about this technology i think it like it instantly the the idea and the, the headlines associated with it instantly captivated everybody because right. it brought to mind the idea that they're beaming like visual advertisements directly into your brain which uh, which is a gag that's featured in uh, a, a, one of one of my favorite uh, futurama episodes where yeah. uh, where Fry uh, is having this dream that uh, uh, that he's in his underwear, and it turns into an advertisement for underwear, and then he wakes within up, his dream. Yeah, within his dream, and yeah. then he wakes up and he's like, "What was that all about?" And they're like, "Oh, it's just how it, how it is. Is we all have advertisements in our in our dreams, and uh, and you know, it's like we joke about 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 that, but you know, some of the technology coming along uh, is really. Getting uh, it's really it's starting getting to into look, your head. Yeah, it's really getting into your head. Starting to, and you can see a future where uh, a lot of this is going to be kind of intrusive.
2: Yeah, and we're we're talking about MRIs actually again. I feel like we mm-hmm. talk about MRIs all the time, but they're being used everywhere all the time for everything.
1: Yeah, and this is where we're looking at the brain while someone is thinking, um, and and watching the movement, watching how blood moves around, how, and and just seeing the neural architecture in action.
2: Yeah. And I think at first, you know, of course, they were doing this for um, many reasons that, you know, science, medical based. But, you know, those crafty Gotta marketeers make yep. yeah, started to try to figure it out. I think, in fact, they're now calling it neuro marketing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, what they have figured out is that you can map the data. You can look at someone's thoughts. Right. Like someone, for instance, the 60 Minutes piece that we watched, a person was uh looking at 10 different objects and then the MRI was scanning that. Mm-hmm. And then what they did is they took that data, fed it to a computer, and then told the computer later on, okay, well, here are two objects. Based on that one scan, what is this person looking at?
1: Yeah. And stuff like, uh, is it a knife or a house? Right. And then they would be right. like, it was a knife. And then they were like, oh, hey, the computer got That's it right. Really so right.
2: the brain was saying, I'm looking at a knife. That's the first scan. The second was a house. Third, a hammer, so on and so forth. And the computer was given two choices from what I recall and saying, which which one was this person looking at? And the computer was choosing right almost every time. Right. Of course, there are, there are some um, oddities that happen because your brain might light up differently, say, with a hammer, if you've had a bad experience with a hammer. <laughs> so, yeah, it's
1: like every brain is going to be a little, and it's like a fingerprint, you know. It's, it's yeah. a very complicated fingerprint, so it's not going to be perfect. But they can also l- look at it uh, in terms of which of two decisions is someone going to make. Yeah, uh, which trying is, to predict yeah which with marketing that comes down to a very basic uh uh decision you know right. it's like is this person gonna buy this object or not are they interested uh, in this or are they repulsed by it
2: right and, and this is and Carnegie Mellon was looking at this right and they they were actually trying to have the ability to map nuanced thoughts within like the next three years so yeah. yes this this idea of not just saying okay we based on this information everybody's there's universal qualities right right that um come up when you look at an image. And so everybody's going to think about this object this way most of the time. Right. But no, I mean it's it's more than that. It's like what choices are people going to make and, and where have
1: you been? Uh yeah, another yeah. one they looked at was uh you know, it's like we have these sort of mental images of of places uh-huh. and they can uh they can, you know, answer the question have you seen this environment before? Mm-hmm. And that has a whole there's a whole possibility there with uh, like criminal investigations. Like, you know, were right. you at the scene of the crime? Uh well, we we just scanned you and it said you were. In fact, uh EEG was used to convict a woman of poisoning an ex-fiancé in India. That's right. Yeah. Because so.
2: they were describing the circumstances around his death, and at the same time, she was getting scanned, right? right? And they said, "Oh, okay, we see all this activity going on."
1: Now, you can sort of lay that on her for agreeing to the scan, because that's the, the the other big thing we have to mention here. When we're talking about getting your getting scanned, it's uh, it's it's one of these situations where it's it's like getting an MRI. You know, you it, you're you're going, you're laying down, you're being right. really still, very cooperative, while this uh, this you basically go in this giant donut.
2: Right. Right. As far as we know. Governments, corporations cannot stuff us into this donut yeah. and make us do this.
1: Even in Total Recall, they had trouble getting keeping Arnold Schwarzenegger in that uh, that that chair. You know, he ended yeah. up breaking out of it. So
2: well, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger,
1: right? Yeah. So we either have this. Is the thing so we're going to either have to develop stronger chairs. <laughs> um, or or develop um, scanning systems that are not so, that don't demand so much cooperation. Portable ones. Yeah, portable ones and ones that can just sort of scan you in a second.
2: Right, and there is a man named Paul Root Wolpe. He's the director of ethics at Emory University, and he says this is possible that yeah. you can beam light into your front cortex, and that receptors would get the reflection of that light, essentially reading your thoughts that scor- correspond what you're looking at at that time.
1: Yeah, so we'd be able to do it not only remotely but also. Uh, covertly you know that like you might be i'm just throwing this out there like you're you're looking at the billboard at the train uh, station and it's looking at you you don't even realize that it's it's gauging your reaction to the uh the advertisement and maybe based on those readings it might be able to throw up something that interests you more or interests you or 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 would uh, you know interest you well not interest you less but but you know it would be able to if you've ever filled out like a survey online, uh, or these basic like uh, recommendation engines that say like, oh, you like this movie and this movie, well, you'd probably love this. Right. Um, you know, as wrong as Netflix seems to get that uh, on my account. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's like that. That's the sort of thing that everyone seems to be interested in, and uh, and this would be like a laser shining, not yeah. a laser, but like a beam of light shining at your head, and then uh, you could easily imagine a computerized system that would in that would then give you recommendations based on your reaction. To well, that's what I
2: was thinking. I was yeah. thinking, okay, maybe I'm at the gap. You know, it's five. It's five years from now. I'm at the gap. I'm, I happen to be looking at a red shirt, and mm-hmm. you know, the beam of light. It gets that information, then it interfaces with a marketing company, which then, you know, real time tells a salesperson, get more red stuff. She <laughs> loves it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's interesting to think that that might happen, but it's also, I also feel like in this day and age that, you know, I don't necessarily want that to happen, but I feel like, I'm giving up so much of my own information to advertisers already just to get a quick fix, a quick, you know, 10% off of something um, that I'm almost a willing participant, you know. And, and yeah. I can see this sort of thing being used in the future where it's like, okay, well, if you buy into our – Light beam program. Well, you get an extra twenty percent off your purchases, you know. If, if and then I'm complicit in this act.
1: Well, you know, it's it's I can easily see it. It's because on on one level, it's easy to imagine people like I do not want machines reading my mind and trying to sell me things. But I mean, we're already letting machines read our personal emails and give us little ads, uh, you know, over to the side in our uh, our Google accounts. Right. So I could easily see a situation where you would be like, yes, I will let this computer that somebody has assured me, um is gonna, you know, keep my secrets, uh, I will allow that to scan my brain and give me movie recommendations. Right. God only knows what kind of movie recommendations we would get on an accurate scan <laughs> of our, uh, of our complex thoughts. Because that's the thing, neuroscience is saying with like within the next five years, the same technology that's enabling people to say, hey, are you thinking of a knife or um, a bowl of pudding will be able to decipher uh, s- some much more complex thoughts. Right. Yeah.
2: So I mean, it's kind of amazing to think of it that way. And also, there's that element of uh, gratification. Like we want instant gratification; we want it now. So, mm-hmm. if we, if someone, if there's the promise of that, then we're willing to exchange something of ourselves for it.
1: Right. And, it, and it, you know, you really begin to think too: is our is the technology includes? Will we reach the point where uh, various forms of entertainment? respond to uh the way that to, to our, to our brain scans. Yeah. Like maybe you're in a, re- you're in a restroom, Say so you're in a, a private room, right? Maybe there's a scanning system that can tell if you are digging the music and, uh, and either, you know, shift the mix to uh, accommodate you or even shift the music itself. You can get in the whole area of intelligent music where, uh, where there won't be a composition as much, but a composition that changes according to your neural requirements. Yeah. Or, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, the, the sky's the limit. Movies that sort of write themselves, uh, you know, depending on how you're responding to it, uh, in your, in your brain.
2: Huh. I kind of dig that, actually.
1: Yeah. I see, now you're, co- you're coming around. Alright, I see. Okay. Here's yeah. all
2: my personal information in exchange for that.
1: <laughs> and then, I mean, as long as we're talking about things that we can manipulate in the brain, I mean, there, you know, we, our brain has, has these different uh, pleasure systems. Uh, for instance, there is a portion of the brain known as the, uh, Orbitofrontal cortex, and this is where, um, uh, the joy one experiences during sex or, um, or, you know, eating a, a really tasty sandwich take place. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they've been, they've been exploring ways to manipulate that, uh, mainly of for course. things like treating like <laughs> Parkinson's disease, you know, or, um, or, or, or can, or various, uh, neurological conditions. But of course, marketing, uh, initially, uh, uh, eventually pokes its head into any research. Uh, facility. And, right. and uh, starts dreaming about ways you could, you could use it. So imagine that. Like, uh, you're, you're in a store and you're, you know, you're, suddenly you're just feeling really great about this purchase you're about to make. Now I think that would probably be invasive, but.
2: Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, they're working on this, uh, sex chip thing, uh, which, uh, which, uh, supposedly. And they are calling it the sex chip, yeah, they are right? Calling it the like, sex like the chip. new Viagra. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, you know, hoping to say help people with, uh, a condition called, uh, n head, Hedonia? yeah and, and hedonia, mm-hmm. which uh means you just can't you can't feel joy uh, uh, in regards to sex and food and so they would treat this by putting a chip in but that's like just creating a chip for that is years away much less right. the idea of some sort of external uh, you know laser device that's going to beam joy directly into your brain
2: so the idea is that uh this implant right is yeah. it's going to be stimulating the orbital or orbitofrontal cortex right and so i'm just trying to imagine like you know, wearing that <laughs> during intimate moments. I mean.
1: Or just on the train, you know, to work in the morning. Right. You know? And I then, mean,
2: yeah, and people are like, look, I see what you have on. I know <laughs> what you're doing over there.
1: Yes, but what if we all had them? Like, like I can imagine a, a situation where everybody gets these installed so you can better interface with your movie that writes itself, you know? Yeah. It's like it's writing itself based on how you're responding to it, and it's also pumping you with pleasure every time. There's a, you know, a shot of a slice of pie on the screen.
2: Wow. You just never would have to leave your home.
1: You just, yeah, never would.
2: Yeah. Um, according to a scientific American article that I read, uh, Stuart Malloy, a North Carolina physician who specializes in implanting spinal electrodes for pain mostly, or to relieve pain rather, he found by chance that a slightly off kilter placement in the lower spine caused one woman to exclaim, you're going to have to teach my husband how to do that. And here we go. Yeah. Um. He has actually created a machine explicitly for what we're talking about. And it's a modified spinal cord stimulator. And the name is really subtle. Yeah. It's called the Orgasmatron.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds fake, but yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, actually, I think it's an homage to Woody Allen in the film Sleeper.
1: What was the uh, device in Barbarella?
2: I do not recall.
1: Uh, there's like the scene where Duran Duran has bar- Barbarella in the... Uh, I don't know, it has some sort of crazy name. It looks like a big organ. I need to see we'll that We'll just call again. it
2: the organ, yeah. or maybe not. Yeah. That's Something. an unfortunate name. It is. Yeah. But, uh I don't know, that's that's some technology that's far off, and it's kind of crude-sounding right now, right? Yeah,
1: that's Barbarella territory. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, we'll get there eventually. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, but again, it begs that question, like, what are we willingly allowing ourselves to participate in? Yeah. And uh, it made me think about... the. This new interface that students at MIT Media Lab have developed—it's a wearable computing system that turns any surface, your arm, table, w- wall, whatever, into an interactive display screen. Oh, wow! Yeah, and the wearer can summon virtual gadgets and internet data at will.
1: Just on their arm. Yeah, is like you like were like, what time it is?
2: You could just draw a watch and. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's so—it's very cool. Um, their goal is to harness computers to feed us information in an organic fashion like our existing senses. So it's this idea that computers might become our sixth sense. huh Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, I mean, it could be, it's so nuts that um, you could encounter someone at a party and the system would project a cloud of words onto that person's body and provide more information about that person, like a blog URL, the name of his company, likes, dislikes. <laughs> I know. It's, wow. So, yeah. like,
1: we become our Facebook profile. Yeah,
2: pretty yeah. much. Pretty it's much. like the
1: end of the black hole where the the mad scientist and the robot merge into one horrifying thing.
2: Well, that's what I was thinking. I, I mean, not specifically <laughs> that. Specifically
1: <laughs> that. Be yeah. amazing.
2: But I was thinking, like, that's the juncture of where advertisers and, and, and ourselves, like, come together, right? Yep. Because you know that in that situation that you're there's no privacy right Like you, you're sharing everything about yourself in exchange for the ability to move throughout the world in a more fluid way right it's yeah. a little scary and again I know I've brought it up before but it's like super sad true love story in which people wear an apparatus or apparati around their necks and it gives everybody's credit scores and so on and so forth
1: well no you're allowed to continually tell the books that you really like
2: I do just I, I keep being reminded of that yeah. story it's super true, super sad, and it's a love story.
1: Well, excellent. Well, um, popcorn. I'm going to um, turn to our listener mail now. We have a couple uh, here from some listeners. All right. Okay. Uh, here's one from Nathaniel.
2: Just gonna have a snack over here. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right. I was listening to your awesome podcast on alien abduction, and I realized that something similar to that paralysis thing was going on. On occasion, I will wake up during a moment of pain in my dream, such as being hit in the face with a baseball or being kicked in the chest by a thug. At this moment, I wake up with intense pain all over my body at some horrible hour and typically can't fall asleep again. I don't know if this is unusual and was wondering if you could use your epic minds and power to explain this. Huge fan, love the show. And you will never cease to figuratively blow my mind. Um, well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, one possibility is that thugs are kicking you in your chest during the night. And I would look into that possibility first.
2: Yeah, it's happened to me before. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, we'd have to, we'd have to look into it. I mean, it certainly, it sounds offhand like it's similar to the, um, the phenomenon where, um, supposedly we have this evolutionary hol- holdover where, uh, we're afraid of falling out of trees and yeah. being eaten by ground, uh, Predators, and uh, so that we'll, if we feel like we're slipping in our dream or um, mm-hmm. or falling over, like I'll have it where I'm like slipping on milk or something, and then I'll just fly awake.
2: I think you've been hanging out with sloths too much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the sloths, the, yeah. the monkeys.
1: I did see a monkey fall out of the tree in uh, Costa Rica. Oh. oh. Yeah. Plummeted. I mean, just fell not just like a little fall, but like a really embarrassing fall.
2: Was the monkey okay?
1: Yeah. yeah. I embarrassing mean, he, I mean, I think he was embarrassed.
2: He was ashamed. He be. but yeah, be. yeah, The
1: tourists were all watching, and he just <laughs> falls out of the tree.
2: Maybe that's part of their trick, you know? <laughs> they're like, all right, now you're going to fall, and we'll get a gasp from the audience.
1: Well, uh, Nathaniel, I will say that uh, we, we do need a... Uh, we will, we will return to the world of dreams in yeah. uh, a future podcast. I'd really like to do one uh, uh, with uh, having to do with nightmares and night terrors, uh, specifically. Uh, so we'll keep you posted on all that. So we have another listener mail from someone who wishes uh, to remain anonymous. Uh, and uh, he writes in, I'm a long-time listener, first-time writer, and I have come back from a trip to Japan where I just happened to listen to your episode, Is Your Gut a Genius? On the sixth day of battling a bout of constipation, While this happens basically every time I leave the country. As you could imagine, after six days, it was pretty irritable, and I was getting pretty anxious about being clogged up for so long. But listening to the podcast and finding out that this happens to most people, along with you guys, providing an explanation for it, just seemed to to lift the the anxiety immediately. Don't know whether it was the fact that I now understood what was happening and my brain talked to my bowels, or whether it was just me. But suffice to say that before the podcast was over, I did the deed as nature intended. All right. Unfortunately, it was using a Japanese-style toilet on a moving bullet train. However, I was grateful nonetheless. So, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to know that our, our pod, some of our listeners find our podcast so moving. You know?
2: <laughs> nice, nice pun yeah. there. Um, I know, and that makes me think about something called the sphincter law, which we don't have time to get into now. But okay. it's, uh, it's definitely something that I think we need to talk about in some other format.
1: Okay, well, look, yeah. look for that title to show up in yeah, your, your iTunes or the, Zoom. The law of the sphincter. Excellent. Yeah. Well hey, if you have any uh tales of um Toiletry tears on the uh, on your travels? Then uh, you know, stop by our Facebook page where we are blow the mind, and we're also blow the mind on Twitter, and uh, we update uh, that feed pretty regularly with cool happenings uh, at HowStuffWorks, uh, Discovery, and just neat stuff we find out elsewhere on the web.
2: If you have any questions or you're interested to find out more about some of our research notes or links that we've used in this episode or any others, feel free to drop us a line at blow mind at you. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease,
1: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance
0: for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here and it's transparent.